This guy is all about shaving heads and not points. It's the Shave Heads Not Points Podcast with your host, P.J. Davis. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Shave Heads Not Points. Uh, we are very honored and blessed to have Tom Crager with us. Tom Crager is one of the founders of the High and Tight Football. Uh, Coach, thanks for joining us today. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you, Coach. So, uh, tell everybody kind of who you are and where you grew up and, um, you know, uh, playing football. Hey, it's funny you had that little the intro, the little, you know, country element to it. And, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm a country boy, you know, through and through. Uh, my uh, first generation farm boy, you know, second generation, third generation farm boy. My, my grandpa started a farm, so I grew up in the middle of corn country. Nice. You know, and, I uh, didn't realize at the time when I was playing football growing up, you know, dad coaches, guys beat, you know, teaching you how to be tough, teaching you how to be, you know, the passage of being a man. Um, and then in hindsight, looking back, I had some tremendously, really strong human beings that were good at taking fundamentals and carrying them along with life lessons. Um, I ended up finding out my high school coach was a Hall of Famer, didn't know it at the time, right? <laughs> You know, you, yeah, you just, you, they don't, you they don't brag about it. No, they don't tell you anything. They just tell you, hey, we're going to run off tackle here. We're going to run power here. You're going to, you know, down block there, kick out there. You're going to fold inside. You know, before you know it, you're, you're winning a lot of games. Yeah. Uh, uh, I think his, his, what I found out later is he lost like seven games in the 70s. Oh, my gosh. Know? Yeah. And that was, and that, you know, in the state of Michigan, we didn't have state playoffs. You know, we didn't have the format we have now where uh-huh. everybody, you know, they had rankings. Uh, and there was, you know, the regional rankings, four people got in and, and heck my senior year, we, we beat the second ranked team in the, in, the, in it and went eight and one and didn't make the playoffs. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you know, and we, I one <laughs> loss was the second game of the year. That's awful. Uh, I, ironically to a fumble, you know, because <laughs> I mean, you have two evenly matched teams. Yeah. It's the first one that doesn't hold serve, right? Exactly. We got beat by, I want to say we got beat by two or something like that. And, you know, and that was the, didn't know at the time, but that was the beginning of this whole, there is a, there's a better way to do everything. And it's not generational coaching. It's, it's with systematic uh, uh, teaching instruction. So, and uh, you know, just to, you know, wrap that up from there, going to high school, coming out of high school, none of our kids went to, went to college. You know, that was back before there was no rankings, no stars, no nothing. You know, if you got recruited, it was because you stuck out like incredibly. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, I had a I had a friend of mine that was really good. I mean, he was a he was a uh, you know ten five guy, six one two twenty, dunking as a seventh and eighth grader. Nice, you know, and yeah. So he got recruited, and he was one of my best friends, and I wanted to go to school with him. So I kind of followed him. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So I didn't have Division one talent. No, let's go on the record <laughs> here. Okay, my my coach was uh, uh I was the five 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 guy when you talk about a forty yard dash. You know, yeah. you always time him. Yeah, I ran triple nickels. Uh, junior in high school. <laughs> and my head coach is hilarious because he always made fun. He's a math guy, so he always made fun of the numbers. And uh, but you know, with that progression, you fast forward, you know, a few years and a few, you know, learning how to speed train. I never speed trained in high school. You know, you talk about being a track coach. You know, teaching kids how to become efficient. You know, just fundamental, systematic approach to improvement. Uh, when you learn that, shocks you. Fast forward six years from there, and then I end up as. I went to Division One, walked into my head coach's office, mm-hmm. and once again, he was a Hall of Famer, and I didn't know it. <laughs> you know, he was Central Michigan University. He was um, Mid American Conference all time leading, all time winning as coach. Oh wow! And 
I caught him in a July. Yeah. Walk in, introduce myself. Uh, and he really, you know, he took about 20 minutes in the middle of summer with me. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. He, tremendous. That just tells you about his character right there. Mm-hmm. Right. Not the man, you know, then the, the part that really in hindsight, you know, the man taught me how to talk to people because I, he started asking questions about me. And within literally within five minutes, he knew who my head coach was. He knew where I was from. He knew a, a specific you know place, a geographical place. Like oh, I've been there, you know, and he connected. And I was like, holy cow. You know, I, I'm like, this is a phenomenal human being. Yeah. Uh, and then he, you know, passed me off like, hey, you're going to report for walk-ons. They're going to do tests. Uh, and so I showed up in August, did my little test. There was like, gosh, there's 300 kids tried out for, you know, for walk-ons and, Wow. I kept 45 and I was the slowest kid and the, <laughs> the least skilled kid out of the 45. But you were still uh, part of the 45. I was. I, it doesn't matter if you won or 45th. Exactly. You, know, you made it, right? That's right. Uh, it's like, it doesn't matter how many times you ask her to marry you as long as she says yes. You take it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I go through the first year and, well, I shouldn't say that, but so like two weeks into practice, mm-hmm. uh, coach, coach grabs me. So this has been, you know, it's been 60 70 days since I've talked to him and he's like, Hey, are you, uh, you, uh, that kid from Hard beach? And I was like, uh, yes, coach. He goes, I go, Tom Crager. Yeah. Yeah. Kruger. It was really nice. <laughs> no. <laughs> so clearly he had no clue who I was. Right? Uh-huh. Uh, he's like, Hey, you know, hearing good things about your work ethic, you know, you've been trying real hard and you just, you know, uh, you just keep it up, keep working hard and, uh, you know, lose the hair. Lose the hair. <laughs> I, I had a mullet, you know, hey, the 80s, yeah, of course, had mullets, right? of course. Uh, so I had a mullet and I, I went right from the, from the, it was off practice field. I went right from there to the dorms and this girl I went to high school with and asked me to cut my hair. <laughs> and then, you know, you, you, you just keep working. You keep trusting the process. We talk, we tell us the kids, the kids don't endure, you know, but the reality is six years later, I end up as a co-captain and a conference champion in all conference. That's awesome. Uh, ran for 28 NFL teams and that five, five guy became a, a four, six hand time, you know? So, and I was telling everybody, it doesn't matter if you run a four, six, one time, it matters how many times you can run it. Exactly. And I said, you know, if you're a four, four guy and you run it one time and then the rest of the rest of the game, you're slow motion. It doesn't uh-huh. matter. You know? So I, I just pride on my fact that, you know, that I could run a four, six, and first snap and 90th snap. That's right. And so, and you find a way to add value. I was on all six special teams, you know, and I got my chance, chance in the secondary. And I was basically back in that day, you know, we, we were a, a five-two, you know, cover three team, uh-huh. and so rarely did you do a four-four-three in that time. And heck, there was no such thing as a three-five at that point, you know. But in hindsight, we were we ended up going a four-three, and I was ended up being a nickelback and and plugged into the in the box a lot. And, yep. You know, and then I always tell kids like, you know, understand the whole process and understand the whole package, uh, because I ended up playing the snap at defensive tackle because we got caught on a sideline where, you know, back in the day, you'd have to wait to let people sub, right? Yeah. So they run out their short, their short, short yardage unit, we're on the opposite <laughs> hash, and we're like, I'm looking around, I'm like, uh-oh, we're missing a D-tackle. That's oh me. My, oh, my gosh. So I jump down a D-tackle, shoot the gap, and we, we spill it, we stop them, and, you know, the, and ultimately, you know, we were successful that day, but it, it's just from the standpoint of people knowing how to add value and knowing what was needed at the time. Uh, and that was what my coach emphasized. And that's the only reason I realized that was the smart thing. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. Because <laughs> made the right decision. The yeah. You're playing the game. It's not because anything else other than right here. You, know, <laughs> you didn't look around for somebody to, 
you know, solve your problem. You didn't call for a timeout. You're like, hey, we need this guy right here. You jumped in there. You know, you threw your body in there. So, <laughs> so you, you, so you literally jumped in there at D tackle as a safety. I literally, as the oh. back, realized oh. we didn't have a defense alignment. <clears throat> yeah, right. Because we didn't. They they helped. They they ran their 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 big package, their moose package. Uh-huh. And so I'm like, hey, we're missing a D lineman, and he's not running from 53 yards away to get here right now. So I just filled in and and just realized it's like, okay. I've got an advantage here because I'm small. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> so let's see if I can use it, right? And I just shot the gap and, and sort of bear crawling in there, and all of a sudden, boom, 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 we stand them up because there's, there's, you know, they couldn't get fire up the ball and they couldn't get hands on anybody, and, and uh, you, you just find a way to make a make a play. That's awesome, and I'm definitely yeah. going to steal that uh, terminology from you. The you just said um, the uh, the moose front. Moose or, or, or moose package, moose package, moose yeah. package moose you know, um, we, ain't, we ain't got no moose down here. <laughs> people, people probably think it's a reindeer or something. <clears throat> you you, you bring a moose down here to Georgia. People are definitely going to shoot it and think it's going to think it's going to be a deer. Uh, deer on steroids. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, <sighs> so, you know, we have heavy packages, jumbo packages yeah. <clears throat> and, uh, the, the team, the, School I'm currently with with the red elephants, so it's very you know common old elephant package this or or whatever. But um, moose package is is the first one that I've ever heard of. So I think I'm going to steal that one day if I ever get an offensive coordinator thing and say when I want my big boys in there, we're going to call this the moose package instead of heavy or jumbo or something because it's only one yeah. syllable. I love words that are one syllable because when you when you call a player, you signal a play. It's it's easier to relay that to the coaches and to the players, and it should be easier for a signal. Um, so, you know, yeah. if, if you're calling something Saskatchewan, that's probably not an easy <laughs> signal, and it's not in the headphones. It's probably not the easiest thing either. You're dead. You're dead on there. So, I'm definitely going to steal that from you. Let's uh, let's take a quick commercial break. We're ten minutes in. So talk to us. You spent um, what was it you told me? Fifteen years coaching college football. Yeah, roughly around there. Yep. So, so did uh, it happen like right after you got out of college? You know, it, it didn't, and that's that's the crazy part. Where so I went up when I was in school, I was really unique because so you walk into this program right that first year, and, and you think you're going to be this guy because you made plays at home, right? You're going to make plays in college, mm-hmm. you know, total ignorance. Uh, so I did not have the year I wanted. Um, I ended up getting, you know, just abused. Didn't ever miss a practice, never miss anything, but I, I could see, could see on the wall that the path I was leading to would not get me where I wanted to go. Okay. So I just needed to get away. I, I and I was putting myself through college and I was, you know, I'm first generation college graduate. Um, and so I went and I went in the Marine Corps. I went in the reserves. Gotcha. I, I got away and just wanted to get, you know, center your mind and get your mind off of the, you know, the terrible year you had. Yeah. Uh, so I go in reserves and that was like 1990, which that's operation desert storm. Uh-huh. You know, we, that happened at the same time. So I go to, I go to boot camp in the summertime and I learned a lot about the military because you know, whatever time frame they have, it, it's not going to be accurate. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I was supposed to be back August 3rd and I have to remember this to the day, 30 years later, I was supposed to be back August 3rd. Cause that was, we started practice August 4th. Uh-huh. I'm like, perfect. Well, I get back August 10th. Oh no. So Yeah. So 
they brought me back early, which they only did that to, um, I think I was the only walk on from the previous year they brought back early and I was late. And so you don't, you know, that's not a good combination, no. you know? So I get back and I'm, so I, I had a good summer. I got out of shape in the bouquet because I was always one of those guys where you, you, you do too much. You prepare too much uh-huh. because you want to be ready for stuff. And you're a track guy. Uh-huh. You know, I, I learned the fact that I was a 12, 500 guy, which I'm not going to light anybody on fire. Right. <laughs> no. But that gets back to that idea. If you understand math, right? Like you and I do, it's like 12, five. Well, if you run a, run a 200 at 12, five, okay, you're at 25. You're still not doing anything. No. But now you, you put that into a 300 meters and do a hurdles. So I ran the hurdles at three at 12, five. And my football coach was my track coach. And his, his advice to me was, Hey, run real fast. And when you get something away, just jump over and run real fast. Again. <laughs> you know, that's his, that's his coaching key. There you right? go. But if you do 12, five, 12, five, 12, five, now you're looking at, you know, 37, five and mm-hmm. the hurdles that's flying. Yeah. You know, and there were guys in my, that I was going against that could do that. And so I wasn't because I didn't have the technique down, but I went 40, 40 flat in the 300 hurdles as a junior, right. which is at the time the hurdles were shorter. So it wasn't that yeah. good, but when everybody graduated, it was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> carry that to the 400. I went, I went and ended up being a 40, I went to be a 50 flat 400 guy. Uh-huh. That's and pretty was, fast. That's fast, but at 12.5, it does not fast. Right, right. Right? That's how I teach people. Like, if you can do math, you can get better. You mm-hmm. can add value. You can you can be pretty darn good. Yep. Uh, and so I, I, I say that because I trained for that mindset. And so when I got back from the military, the Marine Corps, was, you know, I trained in the middle. They tried to break it down, and, and I got out of shape. So I have to do extra stuff. My DI to take care of me and, and you know, bend me. Uh, worked me out. Right. I got back and I came back in shape comparatively speaking to everybody else. And so coach was like, all right, I'll, I'll let the, you know, the delay pass. Uh, <laughs> and so I just, every day went early and just tried to show them that, you know, that I'm in shape. I'm here because I missed all the testing and did all that stuff. And and I just started trying to block punts every single day pre-practice. And, you know, they talk about not making fast twitch muscles and all that stuff. Uh-huh. You can convert some stuff. Oh yeah. Because by the end, I think, I think in my senior year, I think we blocked, uh, I think we blocked four or five kicks. That's awesome. You know? Yeah. And it was all that, that mindset of just every day working at it. Uh-huh. You know? uh, so I go and I go through my, you know, my senior year and all that other stuff. And I went to officer's candidate school while I was in college. Mm-hmm. So I got an extra year back because of the, because of the reserves, because of desert storm. And then, or excuse me, I got back from, I got back from uh, boot camp, and then we went through, we won the Mac championship. Well, I got activated to go to Desert Storm when my team went out to California for the bowl game. Oh no! And and I was just a I was just a you know I was just a, a blocking dummy at the time, you know I was just a, a shell guy, you know, <laughs> set up a shell and but you know I I try to learn everything like that. So right. I ended up then going on active duty for a year. So my team's playing in the in the bowl game and and I'm overseas in Desert Storm. So when I come back, um, I stay home. Because yeah. I, I missed the season, uh, I got back um, in September, and season already started. And and Central Michigan University went and beat Michigan State, and for the first time, and put it on them. And, and I'm awesome. in stands watching my teammates. Uh-huh. And I did one of those whole, oh, if we beat these guys, I'll come back to school. You know, one of those yeah. compromises with God. Uh-huh. You, know, if you give me a sign, <sighs> and we won the game. And my buddy looked at me. He goes, "You're doing it." I said, okay. So, <laughs> so I went back to school and ended up being part of another, you know, MSU victory. And that's then, awesome. Uh, we went, 
went and played them and actually played significantly in the last game we played against them where we got beat. Uh, but it was the first time I ever heard a crowd, you know, yeah. I don't know how you are PJ, but when you get in the game, everything just, yeah, you, you know, forget, you, you, you hear, forget you all anything, that, right? <laughs> yeah. You don't hear anything. Right. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're playing at Michigan state and there's, you know, 86,000 people in the stands and our quarterback runs a draw on the, tw- on the minus 25 at, at like third and nine and goes 75 yards against the big tens, one of the big tens, best defenses. Uh-huh. You know, and there was two first round. No, there's one first round linebacker drafted off that team, and he later talked about he goes, "That's the fastest quarterback I've ever seen." <laughs> <laughs> you know, but while it was happening, uh, the ground was shaking. All of a sudden, I, I got goosebumps. I look around, I go, "Holy cow! There's a lot of people here." Yeah. You know, and that was, and Eric Timp was the guy, and and we ended up getting beat for like 48, 28, or something like that, but. But they they understood that you know there's some good ball players in the state. Uh-huh. After that, did y'all um, so did you play them twice in the same season? Is that what you're saying? No. So we played so so in ninety in ninety one we beat them. Okay. And then the next year we had them again. Okay. Okay. Beat them again. That's why I was back on the team. Beat them again, but I wasn't playing. And then two years later, I'm starting, and we play them at their place again. So within four years, we beat them two out of three. Two times. out of three. Yeah. That's yeah, very impressive. Very impressive. You know, and then you got, you know, Butch Jones just got the Arkansas State job down there in your, your neck of the woods. And, mm-hmm. and uh, he later came over to CMU and then went down again and beat him. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So we've had multiple coaches, you know, win Big Ten games at yeah. CMU. And, and he did it in dramatic fashion. I mean, he had, they scored late, kicked an onside field goal. I mean, he kicked an onside kick and got it. Yeah, and then went down and, and went for it and and won it. You know, it was just like should not have happened. You know, they scored, you know, twice in the last th- three minutes of the game or something crazy to tie it up. So that's awesome. What um, so what got you into the college coaching aspect of things uh, after all that was said and done? So when I got, I, I turned on my commission. I was up to officers candidate school. Turned my commission down. And went to teaching, uh-huh. just like yourself, going to middle school teaching. I'm teaching at the high school, uh, and then there's just this this you know, this, this void of like, you know, I love, I love my kids. I love the environment that I was in. And my best friend from playing days is now a DC, a power five uh-huh. to this day. And he's like, Tommy, you need to go into college coaching because he started as a GA. And, uh, because I got a friend, you know, from my high school that's, a, that's coaching in division two, only 30 minutes away from you, mm-hmm. you know, why don't you guys meet? So we, he hooks us up and, and I walked in and I'm like, uh, so they, they're great guys. There was only, there was only three full timers in a division two school, you know, everybody does multiple things. And so he's like, you know, you want to be a part-timer. And so I started asking him questions about, you know, like vision and, and, you know, what his philosophy was this and that. And he's like, Hey, wait, who's, who's getting recruited and who's getting interviewed here? You know? <laughs> and I, I tell him, I said, you know, that's, that's the part where you, when you commit to something, understand fully if it fits you, uh-huh. you know? And I use that to the day when I was recruiting kids, you know, don't just let somebody recruit you, you know, you recruit them because they fit what you want to get. I know you want to live in life. Right. You know? And so I ended up being a part-time coach there and that guy would come to find out later on. He's a, he's a winningest coach in the program history. You know, he was a AFCA coach of the year a couple of times. And so uh, I go and end up becoming his DFO, his equipment guy over time. You know, uh-huh. I started as a part-timer on teaching and doing all this other stuff, but it, uh, 9-11 really was the, the turning point in my life when 
I was teaching and when the Twin Towers got hit, you know, I was sat there with my kids and I was in an alternative school at that time. And I was like, mm-hmm. life, life is too short. You know, there's 3,500 people who kissed their kids and their wives and their, and their husbands goodbye and didn't even realize it was the last day. Right. You know? And so I, I just said to my, to my head coach, I said, you know, I'm ready for full time if you want to make something. So he made a part time. I mean, he made a part time into a full time. Uh-huh. I left teaching, so I took a you know sixty percent pay cut. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> doubled doubled my hours and yeah and never looked back. You know, and really enjoyed a decade of that. My my last recruiting class as recruiting coordinator was my was my wife was included. Uh-huh. I met her at uh, <laughs> I was down at a at a. At a school fair, a recruiting fair, starting at seven o'clock to nine o'clock, kind of thing. Oh yeah. So at six o'clock, I went to dinner, you know, take a Chinese takeout place, and she walked in, and then just kind of had a great conversation. She's over here right now, saying she's amazing. (laughs) Oh, I'm sure she is. (laughs) Yeah. So I, you know, I my head coach ended up resigning because of cancer. Okay. Uh, And then I was up for the head coach and another guy. And I kind of outlined my vision of what I would be, and and uh, they went with the other guy. But I finished all the recruiting class, and then uh, an old friend said, "Hey, you want to be a head coach in high school?" And so I went from college and went to high school with my wife and I. And, and within five years, we had three boys, and there you go, and a lot, a lot of good experiences. Yeah, and and high and tight's one of them. That's that was the byproduct of my experience in in high school. Um, you know, we had uh, I took over a program that was friendly strong, uh-huh. uh, but they had been down the last five years and they won like three games in two years. Oh boy. And yeah, it was, they got into a league that was all eight teams were playoff teams when they redid the league in you know, three years ago. And so we got in there and we just put a, a plan for victory is what we put in what we call it. It's an acronym that we use, uh-huh. you know, and we put the plan for victory in and worked it. And, you know, we're a small community, about five, how many, how many kids in your high school? 2,400. So we're basically one of your grade, one of your grades. Yeah, yeah. Our, our high school. <laughs> yeah, but I, we we fundraised 120 grand in five years. Oh wow, that's awesome. Yeah, because they didn't have youth football, so we had to we had to figure yeah. out get youth football going. Uh, and so we did that, and and uh, first year we go five and four, second year we go five and four, and third year we got everybody back, offensive line. Our best athlete is now a junior in, in the school. Um, I'm thinking we're gonna, you know. 14 and 0 in a state. Title. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's the vision, right? Uh-huh. Third year is a big one. That's right. We go one and eight. Ooh. We went, we lost seven games to fourth quarter fumbles. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You, you can't make this stuff up. PJ. Uh-uh. No, like we're winning out of our eight games. We're winning in the fourth quarter in seven of them. Jeez. Away. One fumble. We only had nine on the year. Golly. Well, let, and, um, and, Let's finish that story up after this uh, second commercial break. Does that sound good? Absolutely. So tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about that story and, and what was developing. So, you know, you know, as you circle up after the games and you got, you're looking at your men, young men in your eyes and they're like, why didn't we get the result we wanted? Uh-huh. You know, and I kept saying, I'm going, guys, we're right there, you know, and I, and we had had huddles. So I'm looking at my account, I'm looking at all the, the drill stuff. And, and I drilled the same way as everybody else does. I've always worked on turnovers. I've had a turnover circuit every day, 10 minutes, 
rotating through teaching technique and, and going and, you know, creating awareness. And, you know, we did it in college, did it in high school, got great results. And then this was really an eye opener because you're watching the video and the kid looks like he's got it tight to his body. Right. And then fumbles occur as soon as you, someone else places a greater force upon the force with, with which you have the ball yeah. and the ball's on the ground. You know, so it was clearly, I didn't, I couldn't see or, or understand how much pressure he had. And that really developed the idea that I need to know how much pressure you have and how you have it. And then I started doing a, I mean, I literally went to engineers, you know, scientists, um, expert coaches. I talked to a guy from the NFL that had been coaching 28 years, broke down every single snap that he's ever been involved with, you know, and started asking these questions of like, what technique do you teach? Because I was, what do you teach for running backs? For uh, ball security. Ball what security? do you teach? What's the, the technique? Yeah, four, four points of pressure. Um, you know, your three biggest, your, your, your three middle fingers over the nose of the football, forearm locked tight on the front end of the football, football tight to your chest, and then your elbow up underneath. And you're basically going to run with one arm. Yeah, which you said four points. I used to say five points. I had some guy talking about six points. Yeah. You know, and I have guys say, you know, I don't, I just want to cover the tip. Uh-huh. And I'm like, okay, well, that's, you know, and search on ergonomical elements of it all. And so we broke this down. I went to these guys that had, they had pressure mapping sensors they could put on the football and tell you where the pressure was and how and where the fumble was going to come from because of the way the pressure was on the ball. Uh, and then couple that with a couple other guys, you know, hey, teaching finger on a tip, teaching split finger, teaching this. And I was like, so what is best practice? You know, like what is and what aligns the physics for a, a perfect hole? Right. And and that led us down to the idea that, okay, if you take your hand and you think about physics and force, if you split your hand down the middle, you know, your pinky's a pretty weak thing. So you can't uh-huh. you know, can't necessarily say that that's – so we think about 50-50 in terms of percentage of force. Okay. So if you put the tip between the football, the tip of the football between your index finger and your middle finger, you're getting half your – hand on each side of the ball. Now you're thinking about vicing a football. Now you're creating a equal distribution of pressure Okay, is what we ended up going to instead of this, you know, the points, because I was working with Rod Woodson at a camp uh, and Rod Woodson from the Steelers is probably, you know, probably responsible for the top five most fumbles created in the history, right? <laughs> probably. Yeah. Uh, that guy was a, an animal, you know, he was 55 at the time and he still could play today. He's just a huge man. And so I, <laughs> we showed that we were talking about the ball and we were looking at it and he goes, he goes, I love when guys talk about points of pressure because points denote space, which denote gaps, and gaps are weakness. And that's where I attack is gaps. And I was like, oh, he's like, when I see space, that's where I go for. Yeah. And he says, so when a guy, where's my, you know, just not grab a ball. Okay. He says, so when a guy has that ball and they're kind of going to the tip, you know, when you talk about, you know, getting the, the tip covered, right? Uh-huh. He goes, they create a gap right here and they don't even know that it exists when their wrist is bent. Yeah. He's like, there's a gap there. He said that I go for that wrist, for the gap right there, the wrist, and then the elbow, of course, which everybody sees. That's the uh-huh. obvious one, right? Right. He said, so, so when you start teaching split finger, you can start flattening your wrist and then you create more contact and more surface. And then you can get to the point where you can cover up the ball. And so you have less exposed. Nice. And so he says, that's where you start. Once you start closing all the gaps and decreasing the space, then it's harder for me, you know, cause then I have no place to attack, you know? And I'm like, that's, that just started going, okay. So best practice will be split finger, right? Instead of finger on the tip. Cause now you get a finger on the tip. Oh, and yeah. Now you got more ball exposed over here. Uh-huh. 
And so, so when you split it, you know, now you're getting it in there and wedged in there and that eco distribution is that you're, you're in there and you're ready, you know, you're ready to get that element. So then I take this information, I start talking and applying the physics. And so I go to this, make my, I go to make my, um, my prototypes. I had like seven prototypes and I, and I meet this, this, um, leathersmith cause he's going to make my, my ball for me. Mm-hmm. And I tell him what I'm doing. I talk about, you know, split finger and I'm going to, make a pressure and close it down and make a beep because I want to hear it because I can't see it. Right. And he goes, and I, I did it like this. If you can see the split, you see the, um, the, the seams of the football. Yeah. 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 And so I do it like that. And he goes, this guy's a you know, late sixties, early seventies. He goes, you're holding the ball wrong, son. <laughs> I go, what do you mean? I'm holding the ball wrong. I'm like 40 at the time, 42 maybe at the time. Uh-huh. And he goes, if what you're telling me is true and you want to squeeze it down and keep it from moving. Right. I said, yeah. He goes, you can't be on no seams. He goes, that's the spine of the football. He goes, that's double stitch cowhide. He goes, that ball isn't moving. He goes, it's going to create a pivot and a fulcrum. And so when you clamp down on it, it's going to make it move because that's that ball keeps form because of that. And I'm like, you're kidding me right now. <laughs> and so I start, I go back and I start watching the film and I'm like, holy cow, I can literally see my kids clamping down because of contact uh-huh. and the ball rotating. And I'm like, you're kidding me. And I started watching you. You ever see those guys that fall on the ground and the ball just squirts out. Yep. That's because when they fall down, it can't compress. So it has to pivot and go. Uh. And so the force is not absorbed by the ball. Yeah. It's pivoted and shoved out. If you fall on the ball, when you have the X between it, so you're on panel to panel and panel to chest, the ball will give and will, a real football will actually compress. So instead of so it's not moving your fingers, it's just moving the ball inside your fingers. It's perfect hold is what we're uh, talking about now. Uh-huh. I teach the kids perfect hold, and uh, we're at five hundred and six carries of the ball on the ground. And my yeah. kids, my kids can feel like when the balls aren't beeping, they they know real life it's not it's not in a safe position. So they're uh-huh. like we teach we teach finish. We teach the off arm and the forearm elbows together because. You're now creating a tripod uh-huh. to keep it tight in, you know, and so you're, you're protecting yourself. So we get an awareness of, okay, if I'm not getting the beep and I need to teach this, you know, so if I get it like where it's the cross, right. It's on the cross. And I would say the cross is the key to life because of Jesus, but <laughs> football, yeah. X marks a spot, right? So if they get this and so they're squeezing, they're not getting any, any response, they'll go and finish it, you know? And so it creates a great habit of how they start and stop. Because ultimately, at the end of every run, we want them here. Yeah. Right? Because somebody's tackling, somebody's hacking the ball, just go here. So okay. if, if you're listening to the audio version of this, um, what I'd suggest that you do is go to our YouTube channel because this video is, is going to be on our YouTube as well. Um, so go go to uh, Shaveheads Not Points YouTube channel and go check it out. We're in the about the 30-minute mark of this video, <clears throat> of this podcast. So – if you're sitting here like I'm trying to visualize, because I, I I'm like you know when I listen to the run the power guys and they start talking about three techniques and you know they're going to shade here and then they, I get all that, but when you're talking and you and I are on a video, it's easier to visualize, right? Yeah. But when you're cutting grass and trying to make a straight line with your lawnmower and try to visualize a three technique slanting away from the back, but you forget which side the back's on, it's hard to visualize, right? So if you're listening to this, go check out our YouTube channel, but don't do it while you're driving because I don't want you to wreck because of us. So, um, yeah, go ahead. Keep. I just wanted to throw that in there so that people were trying to visualize it could understand where they were needed to go. 
Yeah, no, that's that's you're totally dead on. Like there's all kinds of learners, right? Kinesthetic and then visual. You know, we need to have those, you know. And so that's that's the part that that got me convinced too, was that guys could learn something like this because I had my first year of introducing it, I was coaching a kid who I ironically I was I had coached against in high school and he was really good. I mean he kicked our butts. And so I'm coaching him and he's a junior and, he, and his name's David and I'm like, David, I said that X right there, can I get that, feel that? So we're like, oh, yeah, coach, I get that, okay. And he's a guy that would do everything you tell him every time, right? And so over the course of, of uh, practice, of fall practice, you know, we're, we, we teach this, we reinforce it over and over. When guys aren't in the, in the play, they're on the sideline with the balls, doing that, switching the ball and doing that. And so he hits, we're doing inside run period, he hits inside veer, slides out the backer, and he's out in the open field, and he all of a sudden does – that and finishes and I was like David why did you finish you know he's like the ball wasn't set right coach I'm like what do you mean the ball wasn't set right he goes I could feel the fact that I was on the seams of the football and I'm like come on David uh, you're trying to sound right. too smart for me there now yeah yeah <laughs> I'm like you're, are you serious he goes coach he goes quarterbacks don't look for the laces yep I'm like very very good point all right all right I'll you know, but it goes against what we've been doing for generations, right? Generations, we, we don't talk about that kind of stuff and talk about the finer points of split finger and all that. Uh, so we started creating an acronym called TEAM, Technique, Exposure, and Awareness of Movement. Okay. And so we would grade, the kids would grade themselves on the team points, and I would grade them on their ball security. It's that ball security analytic, you know, that, that is so ambiguous, but it has the greatest impact on the outcome of the game. Right is what is your team because the team is the most important for you. what is your team grade you know are you protecting the team what's your technique what's the exposure and then what's the awareness of movement you know is it is it moving like you said run one arm mm-hmm. uh, I'll, I'll i'll do one better for you instead of running one arm there's an nfl wide receiver right now that worked with a, a specialist in east coast that i'm friends with and they did 40 yard test testing they were checking his gate and checking out his he activated his core and everything uh-huh. And, and this is a higher level stuff. This guy's a PhD. He had him run a 40 with a NFL football in his hand, had him run a 40 with a high and tight football in his hand because it's 1.6, a little heavier. And then he taught him technique and making it beep and had him run the 40. And which one do you think was fastest? Probably the high and tight one. Why? Because he was focused on his technique. And, and here's one better. He activated his core when he pressed down on the ball. He was running. He's a fast kid. He's, he's still playing to the day. Uh-huh. Fast kid who never activated his core, just had great gait, had great, great form and technique, but never activated the core muscles. And when he plays force down in the football to activate core muscles, mm-hmm. it, it increases increase speed. And I was like, you're kidding me. Like, is, this is, is that kid the one that's uh, in your background right now? Nope. That kid right there. <laughs> uh is a proof that if you don't have the right guy around you uh-huh. holding you accountable, that you get away from fundamentals. So Gary Brown and I met at the combine when Zeke was coming out. Uh-huh. Uh, and Gary Brown was one of those guys where, you know, I walk in the combine, I'm a college coach, and I walk in and I'm like, okay, what am I supposed to do here? You know, I'm going to try and find NFL guys and talk to them. I have a great conversation. The first guy I walk in, we talk for like a half hour. He goes down and tells Gary Brown about the football. And Gary Brown walks up to me and says, hey, are you, are you uh, the hindsight coach? <laughs> I said, yeah, coach. I said, I'm Tom, Tom Crager. That's awesome. Can I see the ball? And so we started looking at it. He goes, can I give you my card? 
And I'm like, oh, come on, man. Yeah. Can you give me my card, right? <laughs> can you I know? give you my card? How about that? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, can, can we be friends? You know? Yeah. So, so he takes, and you know, at the time they don't know they're going to get, they're going to get Zeke because it's still a combine. Right. Mm-hmm. But, but he's like, this is the greatest tool I've ever seen. He goes, I will not coach another day without this. Um, and so we stay in contact. We, we go later on that day. I walked down next to the thing when Zeke's coming off the field and I was like, Hey, you know, great job out there. And he's like, Oh, thanks coach. You know, I go, uh, I go, uh, uh the ball stuff. I go, what do you do for ball security at Ohio state? He goes, Oh, they beat me with a baseball bat. <laughs> okay. Or they you punch know. you with boxing gloves or something. Yep, else. That's the newest one now, right? Yeah. Talks about gloves. And I said, well, have you seen high and tight? And he's like, well, what's that? And so like, I had the ball in my hand. I pulled it out to him and he, he does this and he goes, his eyes get huge. He's like, this is awesome. And then Urban Meyer walks up and Urban Meyer is like, what do you got there? And then he doesn't even acknowledge me, right? He's yeah. Like, he's like, oh, I'm you, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> excuse me. You know, not even said, excuse me. It's like, you don't exist. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and he's like, go check this out. This is awesome. And, and he's like, oh, hey, talk, talk to Coach Hinton. Oh, my gosh. Sure, buddy. I will. Yeah. Okay. You know, and now I've had a couple of friends that coach for him, so they understand that they've already prefaced me on the fact that he is a very focused man. Uh-huh. Like he's got things on his mind. He's got to get those done. And that, and it's not, it's not like, he's not rude to you. Yeah. You just, just don't fall in line with what he's trying to accomplish. Yep. <laughs> you know, and so the only team I ever gave a sample to was Ohio State. That's awesome. And I got nothing back. <laughs> they never. Not even like, a sweatshirt? I, I got, I got asked, to, I got asked to remove their logo from my website because we don't, they didn't buy a product from us. You know, oh I literally got gosh, a, that's a, a lawyer. Well, but the positive is Zeke gets drafted. He goes to the Cowboys and, and that's even he goes better. To the Cowboys. And they get reunited. His lawyer uh, and his agent is Rocky Arsenal. Uh, Brian Hanula um, is his attorney. And uh-huh. I are friends to the day because so Marshall Falk was the on-field guy for the NFL network at the time. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of, I grabbed Marshall in between sets. Like he was on the side. I go, Hey, Mr. Falk. And I go, got a question. I got, got a second. And he comes over and I go, Hey, and he's got his earbuds in, right? Cause he's uh-huh. in between sets. Talking. Yeah. And I'm like, Hey, I apologize for, for interrupting you during your work day. I said, but um, have you seen the high and tight footballs? And he's like, well, what, what, what's that? And he pulls his ear thing out. He's like, <laughs> I go high and tight. You got I his go, attention now. Yeah. I go the ball that beeps and I do this. And he's like, no, I haven't. And you just see a look on his face is like, like there's, what are you talking about? Yeah. And I, I apologize, sir. I said, I, I'm sorry, you know? And so I go have a great day. And I walk out of there. I get on the phone with my wife and I go, I just bombed in front of Marshall Falk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> I no. just made a complete fool of myself with Marshall Falk. He looked at me like I had a third eye, you know? So I drive home. It's a five hour drive. And I'm like talking about, she's like, well, did you have a good conversation? Like, yeah. I got, you know, coach Brown, coach Ali. And I just started going through these guys, coach Hammond, all these guys are great guys. Uh-huh. So they're going to you know get the ball. So I got like six, six or eight NFL teams started using football. Then the next day in school, I get a phone call from Marshall Falk's agent saying, Hey, Mr. Falk saw your football at the combine, loves it. Would like to have you out in California on Thursday. That's awesome. I'm like, what? I go, I bombed. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> so I go out to California and I do a, an NFL network show with the running backs. And it was a, it didn't go the way we wanted to uh-huh. in terms of Zeke got sick, didn't show up to the thing. Uh-huh. So, and, um, 
uh, Steve Mariucci was running it, who's a you know Michigan guy, and he's, right. he's friends with a friend of mine, so we started talking about Michigan football and Lions, and so. But I had a great experience, but I Zeke didn't show up, so Zeke didn't use the football in his drill, so right. it, it never got national attention from that. But I spent time with the lawyers and the agent for the whole weekend and talk about great human beings. You know, they're and they 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 handle Marshall Falk too. That's how it all happened. Uh-huh. They have they have Falk, they have Dickerson, and they have Elliott and a bunch of other guys, and they always have a running back. So it's led to some great some great relationships, and you never know where it's going to go, right? Exactly. And and so they got the balls um, when when Zeke was having issues that first year, uh-huh. and Gary's like, "You need to do this," and so he implemented. It. And then I think he after after the Kansas City after the after the Redskins game that year, uh, it was on national television for Sunday Night Football. And then he didn't fumble the rest of the year because repetition becomes habit, habit uh-huh. becomes character, and character is who you are, you know. And and that was the part where I was like talking to Gary. He's like, "That's got to get guys to buy in. They have to, they have to understand. They're professionals. They're making a million dollars a year. They don't, right. don't want to listen to me. They have to understand the value position." Right. And I was like, "That's that's the key to NFL, right? If the guys get it, like like right now, if you watch some guys, you see guys doing this. Mm-hmm. Chances are they're a high end tech customer." You know, I don't. Uh, there's James Conner just the other day. You know, mm-hmm. he's finishing Pittsburgh runs. Steelers. He's finished up. Oh, he 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 loves it. He's all in. Like yeah. he's like Tommy. He doesn't do a drill without the ball. Like that's that's his. I mean, that's he, awesome. You know, but he understands it. He understands the value position in him. You know, like yeah. And that's the part if you can reach a millionaire and say, hey, you know, you realize, guys, that if you fumble the ball, you know, and even if it's two the two percent average, right? That's the NFL average is two percent. Uh huh. You know, so on 200 carries, you're looking at four fumbles. Well, you say four fumbles in a season doesn't seem like a lot, but it ends up being probably probably two games. Yeah. You start fumbling games, you're gone. I worked with one guy, I won't say his name, but they brought me in to work with them. And like he literally didn't take the coaching and got charged with three fumbles in the last game he ever played in the NFL. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And he was a phenomenal human being. He's, he's built, he was built like Derrick Henry. Yeah. You know, same stature but didn't take the coaching and never got to a second contract. So how many millions of dollars did he lose? You know, all because, and it came down to habits. I looked at him. I said, Hey, he goes, how much, how often should I do this? I go, you're 24 years old. I said, you've been doing this your way for 10 years. If, if not more, I go repetition of habits, 28 days to create a habit, but you got a lot of reps in there. I go, you need to have that ball in your hand as often as possible. And I said, and the way I've analyzed your film is, Every time you get inside of the five-yard line or close to a first down, you have a habit of spinning for more yards and reaching for more yards. Yeah. So as soon as you spin, that ball comes away from your body, boom, it's gone. You know, NFL, there's too many good athletes out there. Not for long. Not for long. There you go. Hey, let's take this uh, last commercial break, and then when we come back, you want to explain how the football works and the guts of it and all that sort of stuff? Absolutely. All right. Okay, so uh, the one that you just had in your hand previously, that was that like the original prototype? And no, that's one of my finished ones. This is a, okay. It didn't have the fancy visual. gold. It didn't have the fancy gold graphics on it, so I wasn't sure. It's right. Oh, there, there. it is. Okay, I got you. Yeah. I got you. That's the that's the panel on the back side. Uh-huh. So, and then this is the breakdown of what 
one of the prototypes looked like in terms of the panels. Okay. And then there's the beeper right there. So you have eight panels on it, I guess, yep, or more? Eight. Okay. Yep. yep, because the technology is really simple from the standpoint. There's the sensors that we built. The, 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 the technology is really simple in terms of vicing the football. Uh-huh. You, know, you take out the opposite side panels and put them together. Jeez, oh, Pete. Oh, that's scared. Sorry. <laughs> that scared the crap out of me. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, but uh, hold on. Let me turn. <laughs> let me turn you down a little bit. <laughs> well, that one's that one's my. It's a different frequency. Okay. Mine. Okay. The youth is a little louder. That's all right. Uh, yeah, but the idea of of really what learning how to fumble happens is because of that pressure element of physics and vice in the football and and bringing it down, so that way, you know, you can you can see, you know, that that's the pressure elements here. Uh huh. So you keep it priced. So when you think about that, transferring that that into the body and and being vicing your your forearm and your wrist and your hand into your chest, okay, and using your forearm as a vice and creating force on that and having enough force to not let anybody strike it and lose it. You know, uh, there's some video on my thing with Rod Woodson coming up there and trying to yank it out. You know, and the beep's going and he starts laughing. I'm laughing. I'm like, <laughs> No. So is the so it starts beeping when you don't have the the right amount of force. Well, there's another thing too. It's actually the opposite. Okay. When you have it correct, you get instant audible feedback. Okay. Uh, and it totally changes the dynamic of our practices, right? Because back in you know we're used to we're used to creating a response um, by doing something, where the reality in this product is it flips it. So you know you're doing it right, and you get a, you get feedback. So there's you know, these guys, I, I still see young guys all day trying to punch the ball and do all their stuff. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I used to do that too. I, like, I got broken fingers because of it. You know, so I, yeah. <laughs> but the reality is that's not going to create a habit that lasts long. That, that's, a, that's a response to a situation. They know you're going to punch it. So they're clamping down. They're ready for it. Yep. The issue, fumbles happen when you're least expecting it, right? You're relying on your, your attention to detail. You're, and you're relying on your habits where you're like, okay, I'm running, I'm running. Well, the three most common ways to fumble, the guy's going to the ground, the ball's coming away, all right? Guy's making a move, guy's coming around, and then as a result, he makes his little move like this, the ball's away, gets punched. Or the guy's running, and he's coming from behind, and the guy's punching there. So you're six, but you don't see him, and you're going down to the ground, and when you're making that move and the ball, you rely on your head. You've been doing since, since Pop Warner, uh-huh. you know, when you were bigger, faster, stronger than everybody else. And you can make that move and the ball be hanging out here and no one can get Nobody's it. Nobody's going to touch it. Yep. Nope. Cause you're just too much better than them. You know, but when you get in the NFL, that's that, that margin's gone. You know, everybody is as big and fast, as strong as you are. You know, even I think the best back in the, in the NFL right now is, you know, Derek Henry. And, oh, there's no doubt about that. Yeah. And his, his window's closing. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> He's not going to be able to, to manhandle guys like that, run like a deer for for another you know ten years. Uh uh-uh. uh I got him on my fantasy that. team, and he's so wonderful to have on your fantasy team this year. Oh. But next year, I was thinking about it the other day. <clears throat> probably not going to be worth it. He's probably going to be banged up. He's going to be hurt. Um, <clears throat> they're going to figure things out, you know. Oh yeah, and then you know, same thing with like a, an Alvin Kamara. Uh huh. You know, he he'll minimize some hits because he's a little smaller. A little quicker, but his window's shortened too. Yep. Yeah, and that, that not for long is real. The, mi- the mileage on those legs, man, go- it goes by real fast. Yeah. Can you uh, can you give us a demonstration um, to see 
like to let us hear it other than oh, the absolutely. beep? <clears throat> yeah. So here, so the, the, the creation of this whole thing came from the standpoint of trying to incorporate everything I was using. Uh-huh. Right. Um, we used to use slip skin balls. We put the polypropylene over top of it or the poly, polyester stuff over top of it okay. and make it real slippery. And then we used the weighted footballs because it was harder than you activate your arm. Uh-huh. So it's slippery, it's heavier. And then the part that like I told you in the film is I couldn't tell this looked like, like that looks high and tight, right? Uh-huh. And the guy's doing like, this looks high and tight, but I don't have enough force on it. If, if, if someone were to punch us right now, the ball would go. Uh-huh. So, but now that they have that. Can you hear that on your mic? What does it say? Oh, here, I'll, I'll get this. Okay. I'll get this one. Are you ready for the big one? Big one. Okay, the big one. Yeah. You got that one? So now the idea of knowing how much pressure is on it allows you. You got that? You got that? Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh-huh. So now from the standpoint of knowing the pressure, because now I look the same right here. Like, yeah. Oh, it looks like it's hanging tight. I don't know. You don't know it's tight. Yep. So you've met the calibration of everything is that hey, the calibration of everything is that uh, you reach a, a minimum threshold of a force. Uh-huh. The ball goes the beeps. And then the element that um, that, that that if you're even you start training the ball, when you're training with the ball and you don't get the beep. Like I told you before, that guy that, you know, it wasn't going. So he's like, oh, I got to, you know, if you're not getting it. Yeah. That, le- that also teaches you that you're focused on the ball and you're aware of your ball position. Because so many guys, they don't even think about the ball until the ball's on the ground. Right. Of course. They're just making their move. They're worried about the, making a, you know, reading their blockers. Uh-huh. And so, so now when you train it and you realize, oh, every day, every time I have the ball in my arm, I should be getting a response or I should be thinking about it and finishing mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You know, it totally changes the dynamic of the mental part of focus on a football. So you've got the the multi-sensory element. You've got the the element of awareness and slippery. And you got some weighted as well. Yeah. So it just so it, now we know about um, in our in our practices we talk about you can hear us getting better. Yeah. In ball security. Uh, so our head coach loves the fact that you can be down on a defensive end. And you can hear you can hear the beep going on in the offensive end because we instituted all. When the kids aren't in, we go to team. We don't use the team because they're heavier. No right. But when the kids are on the sideline, they'll be on the sideline, beeping, switching. We don't teach switch, but they always do. Right. And then they'll toss at their buddy. Yeah. So it just constantly goes, goes, goes. So um, how much how much do these footballs range from? Because I know you have them in, in different sizes. Yeah. You, you know, quantity drive stuff too, you know, bulk elements. That's why I tell you, just reach out online and get some bulk pricing, but anywhere from 99 to the NFL version, 149. Okay. Uh, and that goes down from there. Okay. You start bulk. Most programs buy four to six. Okay. And then we, we usually get it down under, you know, underneath of that, that 90 element there. Okay. What, um, uh, what kind of batteries do they use? So they have their the wafer watch batteries. Okay. You know, and, and my engineers are like, hey, you're going to get 2,700 hours or whatever it is. And I'm like, all I know is that if you use it right, I got programs right now that, that were early adapters and they've, they've already, they buy a they buy a set on every 12 to 18 months. Okay. And when they repurchase, they contact me. And so then we get them a deal. So that way they're, 
their re- their uh, their returning customer deal. Okay. I use my set probably every twelve months. I replace them because we just like we literally try to wear them out. Mm-hmm. You know, we try to get to the point where you know they're like, "Oh dang, I need the new ones." Yeah. You know, the watch. So I tell everybody the watch batteries aren't going to be your issue. You know, it's going to be you know the the sensors will get smashed or they'll try to use them. Um, they're pretty durable, but at the same time, when you get you know cold weather, we were up in the north. Yeah. Guys will freeze them, and then you know all the sensors get broken. Yeah, but I just tell him, just give me a call. We'll talk about it as a coach and we'll working through with you. That's awesome. Well, I appreciate it so much. Um, if you wouldn't mind, just kind of tell us where to find you guys on social media or uh, how to get in touch with you. Yeah, everything's high and tight. H i g h a n d t i g h t, and then all socials are one. So high and tight one uh, because if one t- one fumbles too many. Ah, that's, that's the part you got to get rid of that. Yep. Uh, and you you mentioned about price point elements. You know. If you if you you're a teacher of a coach, you know you're a teacher that mindset of you're looking to do best practice and you want to improve your team, um, but you have a, you have issues with funding, you know contact me. Okay. Okay. I I partner with a, with a fundraising company that's cutting edge for us as coaches. Okay. Uh, I tell them that if if I would have had this platform, I probably wouldn't have got a out of high school coaching. <laughs> that fundraising and the communication and all that are all wrapped in. Um, you know, we, we fundraised, like I said, 120 grand in, in five years. Uh-huh. We, probably would have, we probably would have kept that, that pace going with, with less work because of the way yeah. this platform works. Uh, and it has player showcases built in it. So it's real. But the whole point is if you utilize, if you, if you utilize that fundraising platform, you can get a free fall, free ball. And then I also get you, get you a blast. It's called a blast, blast fundraising. Mm-hmm. I get you blast pricing, pricing okay. so that way you get a good deal on it. So don't let, don't let price ever allow you to lose a football game because of the fumble. Okay. Yeah. I've been there, all right? Yep. Uh, one and eight is not fun when it's totally controllable and you're the better team on the field. I'm sure uh, it's not. I'm sure it's not. That was actually uh, – I was watching um, our 6A state championship game last night, went into overtime, and the team who had it second was down by three, got a first down on the four-yard line, uh, first and goal, and their running back who's going to South Carolina fumbles it, and the defense recovers it for the game game over. You know, and it, 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 it and it, he had returned a 95 yard touch uh, kickoff return for a touchdown. He had over 225 all purpose yards last night, and he was cramping. He, I mean, you know, they ran him out of wildcat. They ran him at receiver. They ran him at kickoff return, and you know, he was just gassed. And he had been cramping up. Was not in a lot of the the last uh, few plays, and so he went in, ran it. And you know, I don't know if he cramped up and then fumbled, or you know, it, it didn't look it didn't look like it just straight got punched out, but it was definitely away from his body. And uh, you know, they they were driving, and um, you know, they didn't win the state championship. And but I, but they wouldn't have been there without him, right? Nope, exactly that's, right. That's the part, and then it's too bad that he'll he'll remember that uh-huh. more than he'll remember everything else. Yep, you know. I've had, I can't tell you the number of kids I've had that, you know, our parents too, they'd be like, you know, my son, all I can think of was that one fumble that cost his team this or that. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, and then I mean, the, the more tired you get, the more you rely on your habits. You know, you get fatigued. That ball's always been there, but people didn't realize it because he was fresher than he was at that point. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, and so that's the kid. What's the kid's name? Um, Caleb McDowell. He's going Caleb to South McDowell. Carolina. Uh, they got they got new staff, so I got yeah. a chance with Beamer because Beamer was at Oklahoma. Uh-huh. I met I met Coach Beamer at Oklahoma. They use the football now. There you go. Beamer's like Beamer's like he's tight end guy. He's like this is awesome. I'm like, yeah, the last South Carolina guy I couldn't get. So 
I guess I got a chance this time. Yep. He will. Uh, yeah. Caleb McDowell will be there next year. I, I think he'll be there next year. I don't think he's enrolling early, but yeah, absolutely. But, you know, they, they say the market demands the moment after, right? Yep. So how is he going to use this to propel himself to a better situation? Yep. So I'll, I'll hit him up on social media and see if we can't uh, help him out and, and get his mind off of something positive. So exactly. that way next time he's carrying that baby and winning the you know, national championship. There you go. Well, Coach, I appreciate it so much for coming on and, and talking to us about high and tight and the high and tight football. And, uh, you know, I got the email the other day that mine shipped out, so I can't wait to uh, to get a hold of it and use it. Yeah, my apologies on the delay on that with the Christmas. Oh, no, so, you're fine. No worries, man. No worries. Yeah. yeah, there's tons of videos. I got I got a basic seven that I use. It's non-impact, so that way, no matter how much volume the kid has in his legs, uh-huh. you know that he can still create good habits. Good, uh, because it's really about that repetition, understanding that you know, what team looks like. Uh, and then uh, I'm always there, available online at highintight.com. So you can reach out to me, and I'll, I'll make sure I uh, take care of you. All right, coach. Thanks so much. All right, take care.